0: Please open your Bibles with me this evening to the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. <clears throat> we'll begin reading in verse 1. Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 1. Let's hear the Lord's word. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with the covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked of my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. For his princes were at Zoan. And his ambassadors came to Haines. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be an help nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. The burden of the beasts of the south... And to the land of trouble and anguish, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent, they will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, Their strength is to sit still. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things, Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, Because ye despise this word, And trust in oppression and perverseness, And stay thereon, Therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it assured to take fire from the hearth, or to take water withal out of the pit. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel In returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not, but ye said, No. For we will flee upon horses, therefore shall ye flee. And we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one, at the rebuke of five shall ye flee. Till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain and as an ensign on the hill. Therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. We'll end our reading there, I'm trusting God to add his own blessing to that word for his name's sake. Could we bow our heads in prayer, please. Let's seek the Lord together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name to the throne again this evening before we come to the word and preach it and listen to it being preached we ask for the fullness of the Holy Ghost we know right well that we dare not trust in the arm of the flesh to do anything spiritual power we need we admit that but it's not a power that we can somehow work up we must pray it down And so now we do pray, Lord, empower us tonight to worship thee in spirit and in truth. For Jesus' sake, amen and amen. You can glean from what we read tonight at least that the whole nation of Judah was in a state of great alarm and in some quarters, I imagine there was complete panic. The reason for her deep distress was because somebody showed up at her doorstep. That somebody was Sennacherib, bringing the greatest military machine right at their front door. The vast and seemingly unstoppable A Syrian army had invaded Judah and had had covered the land much like an invasion of locusts would cover the land. The northern kingdom of Israel had already been devastated by Assyria, and Judah knew right well that unless deliverance came from somewhere, that was going to be their fate as well, they would be destroyed. So in a state of panic, Judah thinks the best response is to make uh, an immediate alliance with the king of Egypt. To help them drive back the forces of Sennacherib. But the Lord sends Isaiah the prophet to warn them not only of the folly of doing such a thing, but of the sin that such an alliance would create amongst his people. So Isaiah, he exhorts, The people of Jerusalem to stay where they were to sit still that was the word from God my word is to you sit still and wait for deliverance from me he reassures Judah that she would find strength to deal with this attack by sitting still, by putting her trust in God alone, and not looking to Egypt, nor to any man, for help in this situation. He calls upon them to cast themselves on on the faithfulness of Jehovah, who had never failed them. Matter of fact, he had never been a disappointment to them. But in her haste, which was being fueled by fear, Judah refused to listen to God's servant. Not only did she refuse to listen to God's servants, she called for those who would come and really take the Holy One of Israel out of our sight. We don't want to hear the Lord's word and admonitions. We want to hear lies and deceits. That's in essence what they were saying. Judah had no interest in... Or no patience for God's way of dealing with this situation. That impatience led them to do something very rash and that was ultimately very hurtful to the nation. And the thing to note is that all of it was grounded in the fact that they did not believe the Lord And they did not believe the Lord's prophet. Jehovah, who could not lie, who could not deceive, who is omnipotent, said, You sit still. You wait for me. I'll take care of it. The prophet comes. This is the Lord's will. It doesn't make any difference. We don't want to hear it. Because of their unbelief. They could not, and they would not, rely upon God to deliver them. But in their panic, they hastened down to Egypt to ask Pharaoh for help. They were confident. Funny enough, isn't it? They went to Pharaoh because they were confident that he could deal with the Assyrians. But Jehovah couldn't. Again and again, the prophet urges Judah to wait on the Lord, but they would not wait because they were afraid of what might happen. And they were afraid of what might happen because of unbelief. We learn from my text tonight in verse 18 that the Lord waited And he waited very patiently. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. One thing this passage teaches us very clearly is that if God's people will not wait for God, God will show that he can wait. And if God's people will but learn to wait upon him, they would be blessed. They were expecting anything but blessing from waiting by waiting they were expecting disaster and death and destruction jehovah says you wait and you'll be blessed you don't wait you're going to have trouble How true to life God paints the picture of the hearts of his people in any age. For what was found in Judah of old is found in the church of the Lord today. I'm not talking about the apostasy that brought on God's judgment upon that nation, although there is certainly a thriving apostasy in our day, but I speak of that tendency found in the church of Christ that does not want to wait on the Lord. God's people find themselves in distress, pressing circumstances, And there's no help in sight. And they conclude that if something isn't done, if some kind of action isn't taken, it's going to be disastrous. It's going to be so unpleasant. And like Judah of old, they cannot wait God's time They don't want to find out by waiting what the Lord's will actually is. No, if God does not deliver them right away, then they are ready to go and take whatever measures they feel are prudent, even if they're wrong, to get what they think they need for the situation. That is repeated time and again in the church. And sadly, many a child of God has, many a church has gone down into Egypt, down into the world to look for help. Instead of waiting upon the Lord, they have taken matters into their own hands they think they are wiser than God and they have done things that have ultimately hurt them when they thought it was going to help them every time we look to the arm of the flesh to take the words of scripture it always fails always but but I want to raise an important question why does the Lord bring his people into these circumstances pressure filled and then wait and do nothing why does he not come immediately when we call upon him to deliver us from the situation. To resolve it. The things that we are confident that would keep us from being blessed and keep us from keep us from going forward and, and knowing the joy of the Lord. Because we're certainly not knowing the joy of the Lord when we're fretting and frittering away our days and time, because We're not willing to wait. I think the answers to those questions and a whole lot more are found in this text this evening. It divides itself quite naturally into two parts. The first part of the verse and the last half of the verse make the two points. So from this text, verse 18, the top and the bottom, I want to speak on the waiting times, the waiting times of God and his people. Let's put them both together. Therefore the Lord will wait. lest are all they that wait for him. The first part of the message, and where I will spend most of my time, there is always a divine purpose in God's waiting times. It's worth, to me, circling the word, therefore. And therefore, will the Lord wait. In light of something that has already been revealed in this chapter, he waits to deliver his people from their pressing circumstances. It indicates, therefore, that God has a purpose. He has his reasons for waiting to answer us, waiting to deliver us, waiting, therefore, to bring that blessing that we feel we so desperately need. He has his reasons. He always does, you know. For everything he does, he has reasons. And they're always the best reasons they are always the wisest reasons for keeping his people waiting. How comforting and encouraging that one simple truth is to know and to believe that the Lord has good reasons. For keeping us waiting in pressure situations. If it was needful for him to act, he would act. But obviously, because he is waiting, he knows there's much more served by his waiting. Than by his acting. When we learn, and I mean really learn, that God has his own good and wise and holy reason for keeping us waiting, then the trial, the pressure, the stress, it's far easier to bear when you believe this. It'll save you from the panic. The anxiety, the anger, the resentment, the fear. He's waiting. So, what is there in this chapter that will show us at least a few of the reasons that God waits, that God holds back and does not deliver? right away and doesn't answer right away when his people are found in these difficult places i mean let's let's get real sennacherib is at the doorstep it is a massive mighty army that has that has wreaked destruction and now they're in your backyard and the lord's not doing anything What are his reasons? In the first place, to teach us the lesson that our confidence, our hope, our trust must be only in the Lord and not in any degree in man. That's an important lesson to learn. And the fact is, it's a lesson we have to learn time and again. And so God brings us into these circumstances where it seems like oh if something doesn't give way here if something if there's not some kind of relief it is all over it's gonna be bad news and then what am I gonna do now the Lord's brought you there there is no chance here it's not a coincidence there's a lesson he has to teach his people that lesson is you trust only me nothing and no one else but me we have to be taught that I imagine that every Christian here this evening would certainly believe that the Lord alone is our trust you would acknowledge that but you see it's something else To believe that in a way that it actually affects how you look at your situation when Sennacherib is at your back door. It takes a lot of teaching on the Lord's part for us to get that. This chapter we didn't read all of it, but this chapter is a very clear denunciation of the false confidences of Judah. She had trusted in Egypt. She was leaning upon that nation, that country, to be her savior from the Assyrians and she therefore refused just refused to wait upon the Lord rather she ran to man and so God says because of that I, I have a lesson that you have to learn I, I will wait to deliver you I am not going to step in I am not going to intervene I will give you time to try out Egypt I'm going to wait to let you have the time to try them out until you learn there is no help for you except from me. Vital lesson to learn. And you know, the Lord... He still works in that same way today. He still he still waits for the same reason. We find ourselves in straits and we cry with the psalmist. How often has that has that verse of the psalmist been on your own tongue? How long, O oh Lord, how long? How long are you going to keep me waiting? I have cried, I have prayed, I have sought. I have waited and I have waited and I have waited. But you're still waiting. We wonder when the answer will come. When will we be delivered from that unpleasant, fearful situation? When When will we see the Lord open the door? When will we see the Lord come and and rescue us and come and revive us and come and give us the power and the wisdom and the word that, as we see it in the chapter, the word behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. we've been waiting a long time. Our impatience gets the best of us. Have you kept track of that in your life? Whether big things or little, when your impatience has gotten the best of you and you have decided to take matters into your own hands and you've made decisions based upon unbelief. and it's absolute folly and it's fear-based because there's a lack of faith driven by fear to do the very thing the Lord said do not do and so the Lord says you're not going to be patient but I will I will wait, and I will wait because my people must learn the lesson that I alone am the one upon whom they must lean. They must not trust their feelings. They must not trust how they understand things, their logic. They must not. They must learn to trust me. What do we do? We look to somebody else. And all with our lips we say, we're trusting the Lord. But in the back of our mind, the wheels are turning. And if we can, if we can get it figured out, if we think we can get it figured out, how this can be made to work to our favor and our benefit, that's what we go with. but it's not trusting in the Lord still the Lord waits still he tarries and you and I might learn that all important lesson my hope is in the Lord My trust must be in God alone. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I mean, you you can just fill in the blank there, you know, with horses and chariots. It's a whole lot of words that can go in there. This is what I'm depending on to get me out of it. This is what I'm depending upon for my happiness. This is what I'm depending upon for my protection. That's what I'm depending upon for my deliverance. Some trust in XYZ. But we will remember the name of the Lord. So he waits to let us try all those things. Whether it's people, we find that people will let us down. Because people, at the end of the day, are just people. They're human beings that are fallen. And they're not God. They're not omniscient. They're not all wise. They're frail, just like we are. And so people will disappoint us. Every time, when we put our trust in them, we might put our trust in money. We find that money doesn't meet the need that we have. It's one of those interesting things in life when you see Christians who are loaded. I mean loaded. They wouldn't even know what it is to be concerned about how am I going to pay the rent this month. And God will put them in a situation... And he will wait, and he will wait, and they'll learn, my money is not doing me any good. It's not helping me at all. I have to learn that lesson. If I can just have more of it, the thought is, I'll be, if I can just, I'll be okay. Oh, nope, nope. The Lord says, your hope's in me. Not in the amount you have in the bank account. Right? Isn't that the truth? Our plans and our schemes, our efforts to work everything out to get ourselves out of the pressure place. The Lord says, "I'm going to wait to let you have your let you have your go at it because you have to learn. You must not trust them. And after waiting and waiting and waiting some more, God steps in, and we discover then that, wow, he took care of this. I, I, I just had to wait for him. This was his plan all along. I can trust him till the next time I think there's many a child of God who's really in a fix tonight because they thought they'd find help by going to the world by following the counsel of mere mortals depending upon human understanding And so the Lord is still waiting. He hasn't delivered them. Because they've yet to learn the lesson of trusting the Lord. The Lord also waits for another reason. His purpose for all this. He waits to teach us that sin is an evil thing here in this crisis and it was it was a crisis for Judah the Lord waited he saw the enemy just come in filling the land surrounding the city but still he waited he let Judah send down their ambassadors to Egypt and they came back disappointed he waited And in waiting, he let the Assyrians devastate the land to let Judah learn that it is an evil and it is a bitter thing to not trust the Lord and to trust in man. It is an evil thing not to take heed to the prophet who comes, thus saith the Lord." It's a better thing to forsake the Lord for man's help, and that's exactly what they did. And because of unbelief they would not trust him. You know what, what what got them here in the first place? What got Judah here in the first place? What what was the cause of it? It was sin. Sin in Judah. They went a-whoring, to use the terms of Scripture, after the gods of the heathen. They forsook the temple. They forsook the altar. They forsook the blood atonement that God had provided. But The Lord would not let his name or his law or his glory be forgotten by those whom called by his name. Not going to happen. And so he waits, and while he waits, and in the waiting, the consequences of sin come fast and hard. And we ask, why is the Lord waiting? I'm, I'm waiting so that you can see that these sins are an evil thing. It brings bitter consequences. We we, we live at, at a time very similar to that of Judah when even amongst the Lord's own people there were light views of sin. You'd get the impression today that Living with someone without being married to them is all right. Adultery is not such a big deal. Covetousness is okay. You can be a lover of money and strive to be rich. There's nothing wrong with that. You can just get as close to the world as you can. And just because the lightning bolt's not falling out of the sky, God's okay with it. But God isn't okay with it. and one of the ways he teaches us that he is not okay with it that it's an evil thing he'll bring us in these circumstances where we are in dire straits and he just doesn't do anything but wait so the you began and i began to ask the questions why why is he waiting You see, sin, no matter how, I put the word in quotes, no matter how small it may seem to be, it always has a bitter end. It always has evil consequences, and so the Lord waits, and he lets some form of Distress or devastation come into our lives. The rod of chastening is very heavy, and we cry to the Lord to hear us, but he waits. He waits that we might learn that it is an evil thing to play with sin. That's one of the reasons why this was happening. But there's a third reason. The Lord waits to teach us to pray. You know it was when Judah began to pray that the whole matter turned around? The end of verse 19, well, let's read the whole verse, For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee, At the voice of thy cry, when he shall hear it, he will answer thee. Obviously, they hadn't been doing that. Oh, they're crying to Egypt. They're crying to help from all kinds of places, but not the Lord. It was when Judah began to pray that the Lord stepped in and delivered his people. What do you think that did? I'm talking about for those who were truly his people, not the, the ones who had just the name only, but just profession, but they were truly. What do you think that did to their prayer lives? Don't you know it deepened them? They found out from experience when we didn't call upon the Lord, things just went from bad to worse. But it's when we called upon them that he heard us and he delivered us. One thing about being placed in in dire straits where you have no one to help you is that you you learn, you learn to pray at a level that you would not know otherwise as I've often said to you brothers and sisters there is praying and then there is praying Amen. it's not all on the same level But it takes this, the Lord waiting for us to learn that. Pleading, crying, urgency, wrestling. How slow we are to learn the truth that prayer really is the very heart of our Christian life. We'll pray... But before we get down to earnest prayer, it's like we will do anything, it seems, but get down to serious prayer. Anything. And so what the Lord does, He brings us into a wilderness. He waits and let our circumstances go from bad to worse to get very bleak, so that we might learn how to cry from our hearts to Him in earnest. Come to the Lord, brothers and sisters, on your knees and say, Lord, I need you. I don't know what to do. I don't have any answers. The situation is difficult. And if you don't deliver, if you don't deliver, there is no other deliverance. years ago during a week of prayer during a session of prayer during that week one of our ministers was in a place of dire straits and it was dire I remember hearing him pray as he was weeping all he could say was, Lord, help me. You heard a cry from the heart that day. The wonderful thing is, the Lord did step in and delivered. It was hard being there. But my, what an edge it put upon his praying that would have not been there otherwise. You say, don't you? You say, I want to be mighty in prayer. I want to be strong in prayer. I want to be a prayer warrior. The Lord has a way of teaching us that. He'll bring us into dire straits and then just wait that we might learn how to cry to God from the heart. they will bring us to the place where we are at wit's end. And we will come to the Lord broken, feeling our need and say, Lord, I just don't know what to do, but I'm looking to thee. I ask you, honestly, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? being brought into those circumstances where you must wait upon the Lord and you are led to cry out to him, Lord, help me. I'd rather have that any day of the week than smooth sailing because I know what smooth sailing brings about. It brings about prayerlessness. That's what I know. Finally, the Lord waits, purpose, he waits in order to be gracious. That's what he says in the text. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. That word therefore in this text in the Hebrew can also be translated by the word nevertheless. Nevertheless, I will be gracious to you. In other words, in spite of all the sin that was found in Judah, sin that had to be judged, the Lord would still be gracious to his people and wait for just the right time to show them his mercy. Just the right time to deliver them. The Lord waits, you know, for the, the best time. The best time is the most suitable time, the the wisest time that will accomplish just what he wants to accomplish. That's what's suitable. Not when you and I think it's suitable. Not when you and I think this is the best time, Lord, surely, surely this is the time, now is the time. No, no, Lord, I, I know when the time is suitable. I know when it's the best time, it's the most beneficial, it's the most profitable time for my people. And when that time comes, I'll be gracious to them. They've sinned, but I'm the God of mercy. I'm the God of grace. I won't leave them there. I won't leave my people in that place forever. But there's going to be a set time to favor Zion, and when that set time has come, I will move because I am a gracious God. Do you see brothers and sisters what a difference that would make in our outlook and our circumstances if we believe that that our God is always going to deal with us graciously in spite of our sins and faults and failings. He's never going to hold back his grace and he is going to deliver us we're not going to be crushed our world is not going to fall apart no, you know, it's, it's, it's when we are brought to the worst possible point from our estimation When as people are brought to sense their danger and brought to sense the sins that may be well part of why they're in this place, in the first place, and the repentance, when they're brought to see their need, that I need the Lord, I need the Lord. Then the Lord says, now's the time. They have to learn to trust me. And it's taken this waiting time for me to bring them to that point where they are through with it all, and they're going to trust me. And you know what happens when it's all said and done? Why didn't I do this in the first place? Why didn't I just trust him? Why did I fret and fume and worry? and look to myself or somebody else to deliver me. When all along the Lord has promised to be my God and my shepherd and my helper. All along, my deliverer, my salvation. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have perfect peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. That's just not a truth for a a nice hymn that we like to sing. It's the truth. It's believing the truth. Now, secondly, and much more briefly. A definite path to follow during God's waiting times. There's a definite path to follow during God's waiting times. Blessed are all they that wait for Him. We've talked about God's waiting. Now it's our waiting. Right? Our waiting. There's the path we need when God is waiting. We need to wait for God. If God is waiting, guess what? We have to wait for Him. It's stupid to do anything else. It's absolute folly. If the Lord is waiting, it is our wisdom for us to wait for the Lord. But how do we go about doing that? How do we wait in such a way where it's not the kind of of waiting that is filled with anxiety and worry and, and all the stress and fear just gripping the life. Well, that's one way of waiting, but certainly that's not what the Lord is admonishing years people to do. It's not that kind. It's waiting that's in harmony with His Word. Well, we wait for God believing that all things are still working together for good. You can't wait if you don't believe that. You will not be patient without believing that truth. All things working together. It might seem that all things are not working together, but they're actually working against each other. But the Lord says they're working together. It has to be that way because he's the God of providence. And the God of providence is the one who is governing all things and all people and all circumstances, all places, everything. He's governing, he's ruling. So how is it ever going to be where things are not working together for good? It can't be, folks. It simply cannot be. All of his creatures and all of their actions are in the plan of God working together to bring about his purpose. They're not working against each other. Our good. This is one of the hardest things I, I feel to believe in our hearts. When those works of providence, those things, are not working in a way that we want them to work. And they're not working in a way that we thought they should work. It's hard to do the kind of waiting called upon here if we don't believe that. All things as we wait, must believe, are working together for good. You see, to the world, good really is gold, riches. Or or good would mean good health. Good, in the minds of the pagans, is good times. But from God's viewpoint, and really that's the only one that matters at the end of the day, the good of his people may be the loss of all of their gold. That may be the good. The believer's good may be, as it was with Job, the loss of health and wealth and loved ones. Do you believe that God was working all those things together? They were all working together in tandem for Job's good? Surely you do. Even his friends who came and accused him of being a hypocrite. The God of providence was making everything work together for Job's good. Even though it wasn't good health and good money God's good may be the bringing into our lives of bad times dark times and difficult times but God's good is always spiritual good because God's good is not Not about an increase in gold, but it's always about an increase in grace. That's what you got to keep your eyes on. He works all things together that we might increase spiritually. And He takes away our things of earthly joy that we might find that our real joy is in the Lord. And he dashes our hopes, he blasts our gourds, as he did Jonah. He frustrates our plans that we might experience the real good of an increase in faith, in humility, and in closer fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's good. And that's why we wait. Patiently. Patiently for the Lord I know what it is to get antsy I know what it is to become anxious I know exactly what it is to be as Jehoshaphat was when surrounded and this is it Lord I don't know what to do How do you learn that? How do you learn to trust the Lord except being placed in those situations? It's all is theory, folks. It's all intellectual. It's all up here until you're brought into those situations where you are by the Lord's own doing compelled to wait for him. Not impatiently, but patiently. Not running ahead or lagging behind, but calmly waiting on the Lord. And I can tell you, it works. It works. you know don't you you know don't you that <laughs> the Lord is addressing all of his people all kinds of his people There's all kind, we're all different some of you are just laid back in personality your feathers aren't ruffled easily some of you are high tension high strung it doesn't matter if you're laid back or you're high strung it's for all of us to learn to wait patiently on the Lord calmly believing he knows what he's doing He's brought me here to teach me some lessons. I just need to trust him. Well, put that in your peace pipe and smoke it. Take that to heart take it home with you take it right smack into the middle of the thing that is causing you anxiety and say you know self it's a foolish thing to doubt the Lord it's a foolish thing not to trust him the best thing I could do is believe that he is going to help and deliver he's not going to lead me to myself he's just not going to do that so everything's okay isn't it everything is okay God pray this word on our hearts for his name's sake let's bow our heads in prayer let's all pray Father in heaven we are not ignorant of the devil's devices who will want to come and snatch away the seed of thy word We can find ourselves, whether it's in the pulpit or in the pew, in the middle of the preaching, seeing how clear it all is, how much sense thy word makes, how it's the good thing and the best thing to do, and with a purpose to do it, and yet leave out of this place and go to our homes and find the attack of hell. And so we go and sit down in our corner of anxiety. Save us from this, we pray, and grow our faith, Lord, for we know that that's what thou art about. Grow it, we pray, that we might honor thee by waiting patiently on the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.